0: You're listening to the e-commerce excellence podcast with Yoris Brion. Hey, this is Yoris of the e-commerce excellence podcast. And today I'm really excited to talk to Patrick Adair. And um, Patrick, he's the owner of Patrick Adair Designs. He creates rings made of um, very uh, cool materials like uh, carbon fiber, titanium, uh, even meteorite um, yeah, and, and a bunch of other uh, rare materials. He started in 2015 in uh, Salt Lake City and today he has a following of over half a million fans, and he, yeah, proceeds to push the boundaries of luxury jewelry. And uh, yeah, I'm sure this is going to be a very interesting chat. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Super happy to have you here.
1: Hey, thank you so much, Joris I really appreciate it. That's such a nice introduction.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, maybe um, can you, can you tell just to start off. Uh, a bit more about your background, where did you come from in your career, how did you get started in e-commerce, and and why did you decide to do what you do right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll give you the two or three minute version, hit the main point. So essentially, I was in high school, I have always been kind of e-commerce minded, not e-commerce, but entrepreneur minded. So Mm -hmm. I like making things and I really liked selling things. So I've been doing that all throughout growing up. And uh, I eventually wanted to do a Kickstarter project, so I was doing some research, looked around, tried to figure out what could be successful, and I settled on carbon fiber being a really cool product that was really, really trendy. And uh, so I just ordered some and was messing around with it, trying to see what I could make. I tried making a wallet out of it. That was a little bit tricky. I needed some better machinery than what I had because the ones that I could make by hand were just a little bit sloppy. So. I didn't want to do that, um, it took way too long, it wasn't a great end result, and so I kept messing around. Eventually I made a ring, and I was like, wow, that was actually incredibly easy. All I need to do is stick it on something that spins, and sand it until it's smooth, and you've got yourself a ring, you're just making a circle. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: very, very straightforward to make. So I ran a Kickstarter, it was very, very simple. I filmed and edited the video on my phone, I, I think I I had a laptop at that time, so I I built the Kickstarter page, but I did everything from when I made the first ring to having my project submitted within 24 hours. So very quick turnaround, just just kind of an experiment for fun. I wanted to see what I could learn from Kickstarter. So that worked. It brought in, I think, about 5,000 in orders. Mm -hmm. And so I bought a bunch of ring-making equipment. I used the equipment to make all my orders, and then naturally because I had uh, all this ring-making equipment and I like making things, of course I just kept making rings. And so I started making rings, started making cool stuff, trying to mess around with different designs, and eventually I started posting what I was doing to Instagram. I found a little community there, did things like joint giveaways with other similar creators and just uh, being interactive in the community in general and was able to grow a little following, and I'm talking like one to 500 followers and then just slowly kind of push it up from there. I didn't even have a website at this time. I was just doing commissioned rings. So I'd mm-hmm. post on my Instagram, be like, this is what I do. Not not what I do, just post examples of my work. I'd always tell them that they can order something by DMing me and send me money on PayPal. So I just went through that process. Uh, I started doing Instagram auctions, which is where I just say, hey, I'll make you a custom ring in the comments below comment what you're willing to pay and whoever comments the highest number wins and then they send me the money for it. So mm-hmm. that was a great way for me be me to be able to sell at first because I think it's always hardest to get your first, your, your first sell and then just, I don't know, like your first hundred sells, very, very challenging. So yeah. that was a way for me to be able to not really make any money, but get a lot of marketing data and not data. I wasn't using, spreadsheets or anything like that but figuring out my customer figuring out what people liked. and uh, that allowed me to grow allowed me to slowly build what i was making uh, an hour when i started out with those auctions i was making less than minimum wage so mm. it turned from a hobby into something that's like okay this is like a nice little side, side job and then eventually i started posting youtube videos youtube their algorithm, I like a lot better for my content. I feel like, and and this is a very subjective and probably not entirely true, but I feel like Instagram is really hard to grow naturally. Right now, it's kind of just mm-hmm. ran behind the scenes by big pages creating other big pages, and so it's just really hard. And so YouTube, I was able to get this great new growth, and then it just, you know, took off from there slowly and and. I should say I, I ended up actually making a website quite a long while before I started the YouTube channel. So I didn't include that, but it, it just eventually turned into a, a better full-fledged business to the point where like I moved out of my parents' basement and I uh, hired my first employees. And from there, it just kind of goes exponential once you can get those first employees hired. I felt like,
0: yeah, I, you know what I like in the story is that you um, you. St- already sold a bunch of rings even before you got your uh, first site up and running because uh, most people would do the other way around they would create a site and then try to start selling it and um, you already had sold a bunch of rings and and, uh, and probably learned a lot as well along the way from uh, what your customers want and whatnot um, at what point did you decide to create a site?
1: Um, it was kind of as soon as it made sense, you know, I'd, I'd wanted to do a site, but I knew that, it, and pe- people will probably really relate to this. You just make a website and you throw it up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're not going to get any orders. You need to have people push towards it. And even if you've got like an Instagram page, people aren't just going to make an order. It's really, really hard to get those for sale. So I was just like, well, I don't have a lot of time. I was a full-time student. And so I'm just going to post to my Instagram. It's a lot easier to just, you know, like Instagram, there's no, there's nothing you need to do other than post a picture. So that was essentially my homepage or my website, you could say. And uh, as soon as I, you know, I, I probably made a website after like my 10th sale or something. And it was just kind of a thing of I'll do it as soon as I, And and this was very, very early on. I was doing a very limited number of things. And so it's not like I could have, eight or 20 products on my website i had like one design that i was just tweaking and mm-hmm. doing just weird new experimental stuff so it's like kind of once i got like a product lineup figured out that's when i kind of sat down and was like okay i'll take some better pictures i took all my pictures on an iphone at this point so not good pictures but decent pictures
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and just uh I, just, I, I think I did it pretty quick. I, I really, I can't remember the date. And I, I feel bad, mm-hmm. but
0: no, just as soon as
1: it made sense to me.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. Now, um, y- you make a, a bunch of different rings. And how, how do you decide which rings to make? Is it just a creative process, or do you also listen to the market?
1: Yeah, so what's great about my kind of audience is that they kind of really help me uh, dictate what is good and you know like it's the ultimate feedback and so uh, what i do with my youtube channel now is i try to post once a week and i just usually the video is me making a new ring design so Mm -hmm. it's usually involves getting a new material or doing a cool theme like i did a theme themed ring based after the forbidden city in china so it was four different materials a lot of different cool techniques and so that was one that none of the materials were insane or crazy, but it was just a cool design overall. And then others like just pure meteorite ring, that's just one material, it's a simple ring, but it's an insane material that people think is amazing. So what that allows me to do is I just post a video making a ring, if the video doesn't get a lot of views, if the product page we make for it doesn't get a lot of sales, we can just remove it as a product, and uh, whatever gets the most views is what's gonna get the most orders typically. And that just allows us to have this wonderful feedback loop where we we post what we think is cool. The market tells us what they think in terms of views, the number of likes, the number of engagement, the number of orders. And I know it allows us to really kind of not streamline our product lineup, but just know what to feature on the homepage, what to offer sales on, etc.,
0: yeah, I think that's great because uh, you always get that, that feedback from the market and, and you can tweak your, your marketing but also your site uh, based, based on that feedback and, and you learn a lot uh, from, from what people actually want and, and what's going what's gonna to sell. So, yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that's awesome. Um, I can imagine that because you, you work with all kinds of material, I take a lot more time to make than others. How does that work for your uh, pricing? For instance, is, do you, is, is time, the, the factor, the, the time you put in, is that yeah. be the, this, the main factor for pricing or, or how does that work? Um, typically
1: that's your spot on um, and there's not an exact science to it. The, the issue is, you know, people, you know, I could make a ring that's complicated and intricate and requires a lot of time to make and I could make it out of two materials. Two different materials, and one ring I could sell for more than the other, and so, like, I could make a a cool ring with a carbon fiber liner. Like one of them I make out of meteorite, and one of them I make out of bogwood. Well, we found that in general our c- customers aren't willing to pay as much for a ring that's made out of wood, even if mm-hmm. it's this cool bogwood. And so, in general, we try to match it to the hours it takes to produce slash the material cost and all of that. But mostly what it comes out to is what are people willing to pay for it? I I think that's the biggest thing that dictates it. We make sure that we have uh, profit margins that allow us to be really flexible with our pricing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we just try to, you know, like we'll have one ring that costs the exact same amount of materials to produce, takes the exact same number of hours to produce, but we can charge double for one of them because the, material is just associated with being more luxurious or higher quality
0: right and, and do you sometimes test your pricing or how yeah do you figure out how much you're willing to pay
1: yeah so we do that a lot just to you know it, it's great uh just data to figure out like we found that when we lowered the we, we were looking for a ring to make really cheap our cheapest product on the site as just a good like you know, we can run Facebook ads for it and we can get an order for it and we can kind mm-hmm. of break even on that and then we've got this new customer who's in our email system and maybe watches our YouTube videos now so it creates a, a long-term strategy to create a, a profit from the buyer. So that was something where we're like, well, let's keep lowering this and lowering this until we can really make this a popular ring and hopefully we can still at least break even on the sales that we make for it as kind of like our loss leader. So that was how we experimented with the carbon fiber ring. And and it was really, that's something I'd recommend a lot of people do. And that's a very uh, common approach. It's called the loss leader product. Mm -hmm. You just find a product that applies to a lot of people, isn't expensive to produce, and that you can make your cheapest product just so you can get people opening their wallets and Start getting involved with your brand. So that's what we did with that one. Our glowstone rings; those are tricky. We kind of go up and down on pricing with those. Um, And we just there's not, you know, like we we do a ton of messing around with our pricing. But I'm trying to pull out a a tip or a fun fact that people would would see and realize something amazing. But it's 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 nothing crazy. Literally, we just. We raise our pricing see what it does lower it see what that does and we try to find a result that we like so we're, yeah. we're not getting too scientific about it
0: no but i mean it, it, it's often one of the uh, easiest ways to um to increase your average order value is just increasing your prices especially yeah. if you have a proprietary product as, like yours and it's just looking at and um yeah trying to find out how f- far people are willing to go in terms of of, uh, of price. But a lot of people, I, I know it's for a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs, it's, it, it is a very difficult thing, the pricing. It's re- really finding out how how much they should charge, yeah. how much they can charge, um, can get away with basically. Um, so there's no, no other yeah,
1: option. Yeah. And I guess one thing of. that you made me think of there is the fact that our pricing is fairly high. And so that's mm-hmm. something I should say that, even when we lower or raise it, it's still pretty high and our profit margins are uh, really large in most scenarios. And that's been so beneficial for us because there's just so many, when you grow from being just one person to a whole company, you got, you know, like we need to pay for our lawyers every month, editing, SEO, website development. We have a retainer. We pay for a agency that does Facebook ads for us, Mm -hmm. insurance, insurance, our shop, you know, like there's, I could go on and on and on, but now we have this ridiculous amount of, uh, running costs that we have as a company that we didn't before. And if we didn't have good profit margins, we would be losing money like crazy right now. And so Mm. that was something that was imperative for our success because there's no way if my pricing was half or 70% less than it is now, there's no way we'd be operating as a company. There's no way we'd be profitable. So if, if you're trying to grow, you gotta, and, and it's hard. I'm in a market where I'm making proprietary rings, rings I've designed myself. There's not a lot of options for you to buy them unless it's literally someone who's copying me. So a lot of people try to steer clear of that because they like supporting the artist that made it. And so that's an advantage to me. And that's just but another reason why i'd recommend like hey try to get into something more proprietary rather than you know just like drop shipping or something like that's just yeah. such a cutthroat market where it's like you can't just double your pricing you, you can't so no it, right it's, uh, it's
0: tricky yeah absolutely i mean it's hard to make a difference when, when you're just drop shipping because basically you're moving boxes and and you can try to make a difference with customer service, or, or but that's usually there's going to be others out there as well that offer great customer service you can try to be quicker than but that's hard uh when you're doing drop shipping so it's very hard to stand out and uh yeah having a proprietary product is is um gives you a a, a, yeah a great advantage in in the market i guess basically basically no one they can compare you with and and you can uh, raise your prices and make sure you have those profit margins which in turn yeah, is, is the, yeah, the, the fuel for your uh, entire business, of course. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. You mentioned the loss leader, um, and I really like that approach, and I know it, it's very hard for some e-commerce companies uh, to come up with a good loss leader approach. Um, did you, did it work um, right away for you guys, or did it take some experimenting, and do you have an idea of um, how many of those people who buy the loss leader actually also come back and, and, and buy a second time? Um, so my data is probably
1: not super helpful for this because mm-hmm. our loss leader isn't even a loss leader. It's, it's just a less profit leader is you know, so <laughs> essentially it's, we, we know about the concepts. We know that having someone in our email newsletter is very, very valuable. We're able to Uh, get a ton of sales every month from our email newsletter better than the amount of money we're able to get out of each youtube subscriber better than what we're able to get out of each instagram follower that is our best uh just a pool of people and so that's essentially what we're trying to do and so all we know is that if we can add to that if we can get satisfied happy customers then we know it's going to it's not going to be a bad thing if anything it Mm. can give us good reviews on trust pilot or google reviews or whatever so all we know is that it's a very good thing and if we can still make even a penny of profit then we're we're willing to do that all day long so it it's tricky because we're in this lucky scenario where our loss leader isn't losing us money so there's no math we need to do that we don't need to be on top of our data because Mm
0: -hmm.
1: no matter what happens we're still making money
0: yeah, that's even better. <laughs>
1: that's great. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, sorry for the no, not no, no, super no.
0: no, no, no I, that's I, a good, I, that's I, a good I, advice. Just yeah, absolutely. Because always if make if a you, profit. Yeah, if you can make a profit on a loss leader, well, uh, just then, then it's even better, of course. Uh, yeah. You already mentioned YouTube, and and you do a lot of YouTube. Uh, you have like I think more than six hundred thousand subscribers now. You have more than a, uh, a couple of videos on there with more than a million views. I believe there's one even with thirteen million views. Um, yeah. And I know it's something uh, some other e-commerce owners really struggle with. Um, how how did you make it work for your brand? Um, just YouTube in
1: general. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And that's such a, it's also, it's a really hard question. And so Mm -hmm. I'll give like my best advice, but then someone's going to go out and do this. And there's almost like a 99% chance that it's not going to just work right away. So
0: yeah, just uh, tell us what worked for you. So Yeah. So for me,
1: in my experience, and I'm super, you know, like I was raised on YouTube, I didn't have TV and I have Netflix. I watched YouTube. That's, that's all I, had for entertainment pretty much other than like video games growing up. So I have watched every single genre of YouTube video you can imagine pretty much except for the the bad ones. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I'd watch makers making things. I'd watch gamers playing video games. I watched a ton of tech reviews. I'm really into tech and I was obsessed with smartphones for a long time. And so I, you know, all through growing up, you know, I was, like 13 years old and made a YouTube channel about tech. And it wasn't ever super successful. It, it was in a few ways, you know, I had a few videos get over a hundred thousand views as a probably 14 year old kid. And I made oh, a couple correct. hundred bucks off that channel. So that was mm. great. And so I was always experimenting and figuring out what works, what doesn't. And that, that was the experience I kind of needed to know what the community was like. I knew there's so much potential on YouTube um, but it's always very hard to start a YouTube channel. It's really hard to get the, I guess you could call it the the, the vo- escape velocity. Is that, that's mm-hmm. what they call it when you get into orbit. And so it's it's really difficult to do that. If you just go on YouTube, you make an account and you post videos, even if you've got great search engine optimization, everything, what you're probably going to find is that for at least the first few months, you're not going to get. Hardly any views, and I'm talking like five to ninety-nine views on each video. And mm. the way YouTube's algorithm works—and this is all just kind of speculation—but if you think of it in terms of logical concepts, it, I think, it does make sense. So, YouTube, in order to know if your video is good, they need to get a lot of data on your video. They need to know is it a good video or is it not. And so, if There's not a lot of people watching, they can't tell that. But if you get a couple thousand people watching and they're enjoying the video, you've got a lot of watch time, you've got a lot of comments, a lot of activity. It seems like people are genuinely enjoying that video. And the algorithm's smart. You're not going to trick it with bots. You're not going to trick it with fake comments or doing a giveaway to get people to comment. Like the, the algorithm knows, and there's, in general, it's almost impossible to trick it. And so, If you can make good videos and you can push people to them, so say you have an Instagram page like I did, if you can push people from your Instagram to watch your YouTube videos, and if you can make your YouTube videos interesting, then all of a sudden YouTube has the data that they need to know that. They say, hey, okay, this is a good video. And uh, certain people in this demographic have really liked it because a lot of those people on Instagram have YouTube accounts, and so YouTube knows a lot of stuff about them. So they say, hey, this guy who likes uh, DeWalt tools, like this video. And we found that 20 people who like DeWalt tools like this video. So we're going to show it to an audience that also likes tools. And then from there, it finds that audience. And then it'll find another audience. And like, oh, this is good for just the DIY community in general. And so YouTube will start recommending your video. And that's the key to its success. And one thing that I didn't realize that some people didn't understand, and a lot of people do, so I'm not trying to call myself smart or special, but people who aren't familiar with YouTube, they'll post a video and it'll get like 100 views and they're like, dang, that video was a fail. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sad it didn't work out. But then six months later, they'll come back and it'll have 20,000 views or 50,000 views. And they're like, how did that work? Because like Instagram, you get... Probably ninety percent of the likes that you're going to get in the first week, and probably ninety nine percent of the likes you're going to get in the first month. And so, y- the life of your content is very, very short on Instagram. Where on YouTube, it's almost infinite. As long as that video is still interesting and still relevant, YouTube's still going to search out and find people to watch your video. So, it's a it's a long place. So you got to make good videos. Good videos that people are going to enjoy watching. And uh you got to find a way to push people to it because it's really, really hard to just have a random, lucky viral video. It almost never happens. So I would recommend, I think it's a lot easier to build an Instagram page to 10,000 followers than it is YouTube. So maybe mm-hmm. build up an Instagram page and then start pushing people to watch your videos. And if they're relevant, they'll probably be interested. And You can do stuff like, Reddit would have been great for me. I could have got onto Reddit and gone to the jewelry pages and posted my rings and not try to spam it like a business. Reddit hates that, Mm -hmm. the users especially. And so you just post like, hey, check out this cool ring I made. And you can post a link to the video or something and, and you can figure out what people respond to well and what they don't like. But eventually you'll probably get something that gets a couple thousand clicks and that can be everything that you need to kind of kickstart the growth of your YouTube channel because those first 1,000 to 10,000 subscribers are really, really hard to get. And so if you can get 1,000 to 10,000 real actual fans, then at that point, you've kind of secured the the algorithm. It's going to take you seriously and it's going to start recommending your videos.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and then it almost goes automatically. I'm, I mean, <laughs> I know it's not going automatically. It's still a lot of time and effort in it, but you have to reach that... Well, yeah, you're, you're still range. putting the
1: same amount of effort, but you're getting yeah. ten thousand times as many views. You know, like mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that that's that's critical, and and it's hard. What a lot of people recommend is just persistence and keep at it, and mm-hmm. that's just such a that, that's that's absolutely true. But if you're going to do that, there has to be other parts to it. So if you're just going to sit there and post. Make post after post after post, and you don't have a strategy. You don't have a way to get people to view those videos. Then you're just going to have a 50 view video, and then another 50 view video, and then another 50 view video, forever and ever and ever. And mm-hmm. So you really gotta you gotta be consistent. But you it's meaningless if you can't figure out how to push people there. And so I call those methods brute force strategies, where it's like you can do whatever it takes. You can if you're posting videos on like quick car repair. Tips. Mm -hmm. maybe you've got a honda civic and you're showing people how to not change the oil because everyone knows how to do that no one's going to want to go click on that but maybe Mm -hmm. something like how to replace the stereo in five minutes you can make a video of that and then you can go onto facebook and you can find groups for people who are specifically interested in the honda civic it'll be like honda civic owners only and you can join those groups and there'll be groups of 50,000 people that you can just post to. So it's almost like you already have 50,000 subscribers mm-hmm. at your fingertips. You just have to go join that group and post that video and they're all going to see it. And if it's yeah. a good video, they're going to like it. So doing yeah, stuff did. like that, like I'm just kind of scratching the surface with that, but mm-hmm. just know that you should fully, fully immerse yourself in yeah, for strategies true. like that.
0: Great advice, and you could almost even turn it around and go to those groups first and look at what they're really talking about and and interested in, and then create your video based on that, so that you exactly have more traction. Yeah,
1: it's it's the ultimate loop. Just like with you know, like if I was just sitting in a basement and making rings,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the rings that I was making would probably be completely different from the rings that I make now, and I didn't really realize that until recently, but it's like, oh, I what I do is completely dictated by what I've seen to be successful. So if I make something that glows in the dark, people love it, and so I start doing more glow-in-the-dark stuff, where maybe I would have got bored of that and switched to something else. And I do meteorite, and people lose their mind, and so of course yeah. I make 10 more meteorite designs. So I didn't realize that until recently, but that has been just uh, absolutely just 100% important because I I wouldn't be making as good of design and they'd be good cool rings I'm sure I don't know who cares but they wouldn't be rings that a broad audience likes necessarily.
0: Mm-hmm. So um and, and what what about Pinterest? I mean uh, you've moved mainly if I understand correctly from Instagram to YouTube maybe you still do something on Instagram but what about Pinterest? I I know that it's um, a platform a lot of e-commerce owners tend to overlook and, and because most of them are focused on Facebook, on Instagram or YouTube, but they don't think about Pinterest and and your product seems like a good fit for that. We've seen some of our clients having success on, on Pinterest as well. Um, do you do anything on Pinterest?
1: Yes. So we recently started, I think might have been the end of twenty eighteen that we started, so less than a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really glad you brought this up because this was like the revelation of the year for me. This is, this is the biggest thing was, and, and it's kind of similar to these Facebook groups that I was just talking about. And I'll Mm -hmm. get into that in a sec, but we've gone from zero to zero monthly views to 700,000. And it's just been like clockwork. It's been easy. It's been like nothing else I've ever done. It's literally like you could write a book on how to do it. And like nine out of 10 people would be successful at it. I feel like as long as you had a product that is good enough. So that was it, all was,
0: about
1: it. <laughs> it was insane. So we got a lot of help from, and we just met these people through like the community. There's a convention called CVX uh-huh. in Utah. It's kind of like a mini VidCon or something, um, but it's for more than just YouTubers. So there's like Pinterest bloggers, uh just all sorts of people. And so we met some really great people, and I don't know if they want me name-dropping them, so I won't. But just all these wonderful help from people who are like, why aren't you guys on Pinterest? Or like, Pinterest, that's for like recipes for girls. We make men's rings. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. They're like, are you dumb? There's 300 million users on Pinterest, and 20% of them are guys. And probably half of, not half, but like a big part of your audience is girls looking for rings for their fiance. So sure. like,
0: yeah.
1: are you, are you dumb? And so we're like, okay, okay, we better, better do this. And they've told us what we need to do. They've told us what style of photography is going to resonate with people on their better. How to, you know, like we don't just want sterile pictures on a white background. We want setting shots. So if it's a, like my stardust ring, we go and put it in some, some sand that looks like moon dust and then desaturate it, make it look like a cool picture that was taken on the moon or the shipwrecked ring. we put it on some, put it on an ocean setting and all of that. And Mm -hmm. there's just, you know, a lot of little tips and tricks to make your content do better. But the biggest thing was make good Pinterest posts, start posting them to your board. But what you need to do is go join other people's boards. And I didn't understand how this worked but mm-hmm. it's just like Facebook groups. Someone will have 20,000 Pinterest followers, you request to join their board, and you can mm-hmm. just post. And they're gonna have rules like, only post one thing every 24 hours. Uh, but you need to take advantage of that. And with Pinterest, it's like, it's mo- more is more. So like Instagram, th- this has been a big fundamental difference. So it's like Instagram, you can only spend, like, you can only spend like 30 minutes a day on Instagram. Before mm-hmm. you're just wasting your time. You make up you you make take a picture, edit it, make a caption, make a post, and that's all you can do. You you can't post a hundred times a day and get a hundred times the views. That's it's if anything going to drive people away. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, there's only so much time you can put into it. But Pinterest, it's like you just need to go join a thousand boards. You can make a thousand posts a day. You can make Pinterest your full time job. And so that was that was amazing. It's almost as if you're running a thousand accounts, if you've joined a thousand boards. And so you need to play by the rules. You need to know what you're doing, but just you can create a ton of content and start posting it all over the place and people love it. It's great. They're looking for good content for their boards and just like how you're looking for viewers for your content. And so it's a uh, symbiotic relationship and you just post, everyone loves it, and you just post more and more and more, you join more and more boards. And it's just so, like, it's, like, shockingly easy. And I don't think it's going to be like that forever because Mm -hmm. that's how everything is, you know. It is As soon as something's easy, it you know, it starts a gold rush, and pretty soon there's so many people trying to take advantage of it that it becomes hard. And so that's just the nature of capitalism or just anything in general. So... Get on yeah, but, Pinterest, look up how to do it, how to do it properly, and it'll, <laughs> it'll do wonders for you, I promise.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, those numbers are quite impressive. And uh, I yeah, I, I know that it, it, it's probably the most overlooked platform. I mean, uh, yeah. Pinterest has been around, around, I think, longer than Instagram. Uh, they've been around for ages now, uh, but still, m- most e-commerce owners haven't. Tested it even, yeah, uh, and, it, it and it's probably radar. not a match. Yeah, it, it flies under radar. And if you know, mention those numbers of how many people are on there. And it, uh, yeah, it, it's true. A lot of people associate it probably with, uh, yeah, with recipes and stuff. But mm-hmm. it, it's it's a lot more than that. And it's maybe not a, a match for every kind of product, but it, it definitely is for any kind of product that has a very visual uh, aspect to it, like yours, of course. So, yeah,
1: what I'd say is. You know, Pinterest can be, you're not going to get as many loyal followers from that. So Mm -hmm. if someone follows me on Instagram, then they're going to see all my posts. They're going to like me as a person. They're probably going to check out my website. Mm -hmm. But Pinterest, it's like they're a viewer. They're not a follower of us. So they see our stuff, but it's just that uh, kind of philosophy of do you go for the quality of viewers or do you go for the quantity of mm-hmm. viewers because I'd rather have 700,000 viewers that are only 10% likely to make an order versus a hundred viewers that are a hundred percent likely to make an order. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense. So it, I, I think that's why it goes under the radars because it doesn't create the best quality of follower. But I think I'm, I'm a hundred percent in the opinion that it is, it more than makes up for it. If they if their followers are only half as good, then you, I almost promise you you'll have twice as many, if not 10 times as many. Followers. Yeah, let's all,
0: let's all join Pinterest. Right yes, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so uh, you've you've grown your uh, e-commerce uh, in just a few years. You've you've grown it to a, 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 a great result. And what do you believe are like the keys uh, to grow in e-commerce uh, in today's environment?
1: Um, the biggest things for us have just been getting it in front of people Mm -hmm. and so traditionally people have to do that with paid ads and so that's the limitation and so our key has just been organic social media and that's what we've been talking about uh, this entire time just Mm -hmm. instagram youtube Pinterest, anything you can do to get people to look at your stuff and and i think that's just been our our key and we do paid facebook ads and we do all of that and it's it's tricky it's a grind and especially for us where we've got good profit margins, but you you almost need much higher profit margins to be successful on Facebook if that's all you're doing. So mm-hmm. even in the fortunate scenario we're in, it's still difficult to work on Facebook. So um, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, cause I hate just saying like, just go out there and make a YouTube page that gets millions of views. Cause that you can't just do that overnight. And so I think it's a long play. I think what you need to be doing is just be very aware of the market. And I think you need to try a lot and a lot of different revenue streams. And I've given presentations on just this, and I call it brute force marketing. And it's uh, something that we started doing as an agency now Mm -hmm. where we'll actually do it for our customers. And so I've put a lot of thought and effort into this and it's just like, you need to just, you know, I think about fishing, it's just like cast a bunch of nets everywhere. So start trying to figure out how to get popular on imager, figure out how to be popular on Reddit. And, and it's, there's a completely different, you know, like I could probably write like a 15 to 20 page book on each different social media of tips and tricks on how to be successful there. And every single social media is going to be entirely different, which is what's really Mm. interesting. So I think when most people think of social media, it's like, okay, I need to go out and I need to take pictures of my product and I need to repost them on every single social media. It's like, that's, that's good. Especially if you've already got a following there, but you're never going to have any success due to, uh, or, any organic success there. So you need to figure out how Reddit works, what people like on there, and how to strategize and make a good Reddit post. And do that, and you should see some success. But that's not going to work for a Facebook group. Facebook groups and Reddit are very similar. So you need to tweet your strategy, apply it to a Facebook group. And then uh, Instagram, completely different. Take a nice picture, caption it, hashtag it, do stuff like giveaways, those can be super effective. Um, That's what works for Instagram Um, videos on Instagram. If I just post my YouTube video to Instagram, it's not going to be successful. It's never going to see any organic growth outside of my audience. And so Mm -hmm. I can't just repost my YouTube video. So what we need to do is we need to go make an edit for that. We can make a 32nd version. That is a lot more just back to back action. That's a lot more just concentrated entertainment. And that's, what's going to be successful on Instagram. So There's just a a whole new strategy for every single social media. YouTube, I need to make a 10-minute video that uh, has a lot of personality in it. It needs to have awesome uh, cinematography, so great camera quality, good lighting, good close-up shots, very detailed everything, uh, nice music, everything like that. And so just trying to... Have a good strategy for every social media, not just reposting. That is my, I think my biggest advice for how do you get that success and it's getting eyes in front of your stuff. And how do you Mm -hmm. get eyes in front of your stuff without money? It's social
0: media. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's great advice. And uh, I've learned a lot in the, in this uh, interview, um, but um, yeah, we're running out of time and uh, yeah, I just want to make sure uh, people know how, how they can find you and learn more about you. What's, what's the best place for people to connect with you?
1: Yeah. So I would say the best place to contact me would just be either my email Patrick at com, or my Instagram, my personal Instagram page is Patrick underscore Adair. And I guarantee you, you can get a hold of me. You can go to my website. You can go to our contact form. You can contact Alex and say, Hey, I want to talk to Patrick about this. Alex will talk to me and say, Hey, this dude wanted to do this. So like, if you try, I will get your message. That's, that's all I'll say.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Patrick.
1: Thank you so much. This was fantastic. It was a lot of fun.
0: The e-commerce excellence podcast is sponsored by Dexter dot agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-commerce Profits at dexter.agency/webinar.